Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello and welcome back to Freedom Machines with Freddie Dobbs. I've had such a good weekend's riding, really incredible. I've ridden so much actually over the last week and also this weekend. So if I take you back to last week, Monica and I packed up the Bonneville. So the two big panniers packed up and then on top of that I've got the rear rack which is uh, this chrome rack from Hepco and Becker. That's attached to the back of the Bonneville, and I find that's a game changer. So rear rack on, two panniers on, and on top of the rear rack, I've got this really nice old brown leather bag. So filled up a few clothes with that. So basically, the Bonneville was at absolute capacity. And first off, it makes such a big difference having really good usable storage on a motorbike it makes touring and adventuring so so much more more stress free it's it's just a brilliant experience we actually had too much space for luggage so it means that i remember in the past when i used to go motorbike touring with friends and things like that it i'd have for example a triumph speed triple or a suzuki bandit and sometimes the only luggage I'd have is a massive backpack, like almost an army style backpack. It's so huge. And after about an hour and a half, your back is agony if you're trying to squeeze everything you need in for a, f- a multi-day trip into a backpack. You think, oh, this is a good idea. I don't need panniers. Every time I see people going touring or riding with even a remotely heavy backpack after a few hours your back starts giving up and you have to start shifting your weight from left to right and moving around and trying to get into a comfortable position so this was a revelation monica had the pannier on the left hand side i had the pannier on the right hand side and both of us could share the bag in the middle just for stuff that you'd need when you get to the hotel for example so dream setup and we headed off from tenerife for the one hour 
ferry ride over to the tiny island of Lagomera. First video is now live. It's now live on YouTube, I should say, and it really was one of the most incredible motorcycle trips I've done. This island's an hour off the coast of Tenerife. It's 24 kilometers wide and it's got a population of 22,000 people. And it feels almost completely untouched apart from a few beautiful villages and the most stunning roads that you can barely believe. So you've got roads that are like racetracks with no one on them at all. Stunning scenery, beautiful winding roads just meandering around the hillsides and great weather. And it was, it just felt completely untouched this island. If anyone's if you've ever heard of it, if you've never heard of it, I highly, highly recommend La Gomera. It's the island on the Canaries that most people wouldn't even consider. But wow, it's amazing. They don't do, just so you know, they don't do international flights. They've got an airport, but they're all domestic. So you can get a flight, I think probably Barcelona, Madrid, Tenerife, over to La Gomera, or you can get the ferry. And I so recommend it. It feels so authentically Spanish just stuck in time I don't even know when it's stuck in time the 50s the 60s something like that but it is it's just absolutely amazing you feel like you've got the island to yourself it's what in my mind it's what motorbike touring motorbike adventure is all about you know you head off in the morning you we're riding along into the sun into the sunrise in the morning getting down to the ferry port you get there, you, there's something magical about a, a packed up motorbike waiting for a ferry heading off to a new island or a new area. It's it's a magical thing. We waited there, jumped on the ferry and then you're exploring an island and you just, you don't know where you're going to stay for the evening, what the accommodation will be like, what the restaurant will be like, where you stay. It's just so much excitement. And then you wake up the next morning in a hotel and we woke up right in the middle of this beautiful village with probably 12 meters away from a church and we were I think we we're on the second floor and we were almost level with the clock of the church and it was 12 meters away and we could see the sea behind it beautiful beautiful experience and then and then okay so I got back from that on Friday both of us Monica and I absolutely shattered we got back at about probably 8 p.m and then on Saturday, I went out for a ride with a fellow Triumph biker in Tenerife. And we went on, I think it was in the end, I think it was about a six hour ride or something. We met up at, I think we met up at about 10.30, right in the touristy area of Tenerife on the south coast, 24 degrees, not a cloud in the sky. You could see the volcano of El Tede. He's got a 2009 Triumph Street Triple, really nice one, brown seat, white tank, beautifully done. And we headed off for a six hour epic ride all around the volcano of Mount Tede. Just the most incredible roads, completely uninterrupted by, you know, you don't get any traffic lights. The roads are like a racetrack, they're so smooth, very, very few cars and so many, so many bikers out and about. We actually stopped off. We were riding up to the volcano of El Tede. Beautiful weather. Even up, even when you get high, you know, altitude above one kilometer or so, it's still probably about, probably about 17 degrees or something like that, about one kilometer high. And we pulled into this cafe, this restaurant, bar, coffee shop, cafeteria, and 
there must have been about 30 different bikers there of about 10 different groups you've got those those gas gas off-roading bikes because there are loads of off-roading trails you've got triumph rockets ducati multistradas you've got hondas so many bikes out it is a playground for biking fans tenerife and it's december and you get so many different bikers out and the vibe the vibe was off the scale and to think that you can do this in december and enjoy biking so much in december with all this going on with all these bikers out great coffee brilliant scenery just stop and chat and oh, that's what it's all about so i must have done in three days 10 20 i probably did about 22 hours riding in about three days and incredibly the triumph the bonneville didn't miss a beat well i say incredibly it's always reliable it's just sometimes it doesn't like starting but even here no starting issues at all it must like the tenerife fresh air and i'll move on from what i've been up to to an email that I got and this is I often bang on about this but I really do mean it listen to this hey Freddie thought I'd drop your line as I was re recently inspired by one of your episodes to look into classic 125cc bikes for my partner's first ride I found a gorgeous 1973 Honda CB125S in superb and original condition tax and MOT exempt so you don't need to tax it you don't need to do the annual check do you know what? I didn't even realize that. That's so interesting. With these older bikes, it's not just that they're tax exempt, so you don't need to pay money for your annual tax, which to give you some relativity, my Bonneville is £110 a year road tax. And do you know what the funny thing is? My Fiat 500 is £30 a year road tax. So it's almost four times as expensive for the Bonneville. But anyway, their MOT, you don't even need to do the annual check for these older bikes. I didn't even know that. So it's tax and MOT exempt. There's another reason to look into it. Plus, it's a great bike to learn how to ride and how to fix and service an engine due to its simplicity. They are so true. You can't beat the, the beautiful simplicity of the older engines. And I continue. So I bought it for £2,000 and my God, is it fun to ride. So nimble and light and it sounds amazing. A real head turner too. Anyway, thanks for the advice. Hope Tenerife's going well. That, this, this is exactly it. This is what I always love banging on about. You know, we all start on smaller bikes and you think, and of course, you know, everyone's different, but you always think that, oh, more power is more fun. But then you jump back onto these older bikes it's just the most beautiful simplicity. It's the purest form of riding. When I go to Bali with Monica and we get on these 125cc scooters, I've never had so much fun as being on these bikes. So I absolutely get it. And that got me thinking, because I won't bang on about it because I'm always saying how much I love these small bikes. And I, I really do think, I do think I'll get one. And it got me thinking, thank you, Sam, for sending that over. That's hugely appreciated because I love that. So that was from Sam. Um, so I went on to, let's have a look at this. I went on to Auto Trader just to see, do Honda do, do they still do the CB? And is it as cool? Do they do the small two, 250cc, 125cc Honda CBs? And do they still look cool? So I've gone on to, let me go on to Auto Trader now and just see what they've got now because a modern equivalent of one of these old CBs 
because I've shown you the I've shown you the older ones, the CB175s, things like that from the 70s. I've talked about those in a previous episode. I'm a huge fan. I really would consider buying one of those. Just got to make sure you carry the additives if you use the E10 fuel. But if you use the older fuel, it's fine. I'm a huge fan. I would buy one 100%. But do they do like the Honda Monkey Bike and like the Honda Super Cub? Have they kept fairly true to the styling for these? Honda CBs, the small capacities. Uh, let's have a look. Hmm. No, that's a shame. No, they haven't. You know, they've gone. They've gone super modern. That look, they've gone super modern. Quite a lot of plastic, and I'm sure it's a great bike. The Honda CB125, the new ones. I'm even looking at the brand new one, actually, 2021. The old ones, 2015 models. They just. Ah, uh, they've lost all, absolutely 100% of the character of the old ones. The old Honda CBs from the, the 70s, the one, the 100 to 200 CC ones, even 250s. Beautiful bikes. They look just as good as the Bonnevilles. They look just as good as the modern classics. But these ones, somewhere along the way, they have completely 100% changed. Uh, just, ah, oh, they look so generically kind of 125-y with absolutely zero styling. I'm sure they're great. I'm sure they're fun. Oh, but they've lost all of it. And if I go to the brand new one, even. Oh, it's just as bad. Oh, that's a shame. That's a shame. So Honda CBs, if you're looking for small capacity, forget about the new ones. They are not good looking bikes. I'm sure they're brilliant. They're reliable. They do exactly what they're meant to do, as all Hondas do, better than anyone. But if you're looking for lo for looks, Honda CB125s, they are not good looking bikes unfortunately in my eyes in my eyes but but to be fair to honda they do the cub they do the cub they do the honda cub and the honda monkey bike and these are two brilliant bikes and this is where honda is can, this is where honda can keep up with all of the other modern classics maybe even better than anyone else because bringing back these bikes, the, the Honda Monkey Bike, the Honda Cup, they've been so sympathetic to how the originals are and their small capacity, their 125cc bikes. You know, you can pick up a Honda Monkey Bike, private seller, 2018 model, for under £3,000 now. And I think brand new. I think that I think they may be about three and a half to 4K-ish brand new, but you can pick up a used one for 3K. They're off the scale cool, these bikes. You know, 2018 Mod 1, 3,000 miles, petrol, two owners, in yellow. I really want a small capacity bike because I just think for having fun, just ripping around the, the back streets and just having some some easy going fun like that. I, uh, I'm really, really tempted. I have been for a while now, actually. And if I have a look also, the Honda Cubs, you can get a Honda Super Cub for £3,100. Get it just under three grand. So three grand, you can get a Honda Cub or a monkey bike. That starts getting tempting. I mean, the thing is, if you go onto Honda's website, for example, let's see if I can find it. Here we go. Honda's website. They, they drop in value so slowly now. These monkey bikes and the Honda Cubs, the new models, they just don't drop in value at all. They're so popular at the moment. You it's very, there's a good argument to say that you may as well just buy it absolutely brand new. 
you know, this is what biking's about. I'm looking, actually, I can tell. I think they, they shot that in the Shoreditch area of London for the, the promotional sh videos. It looks... It's what biking should be. I love it. I absolutely love it. Right, I'll stop banging on. I have to stop always banging on about small capacity bikes. And I will move on. And I'm actually going to carry on here from where I got to in last week's podcast. And this... This is kind of worrying. The title, and this is from probably my one of my favourite biking magazines, Ride Magazine. I was just flicking through it yesterday. Performance modifications set to be banned. The Department for Transport says making engine or ECU tweaks could become a criminal offence. And what I didn't know is that, or I think maybe I touched on it last week, if with motorcycles, they, there are no emissions tests for motorcycles. So for example, for a car on the annual check, they always check the emissions and your car can fail. If the emissions are too high, it fails. And for example, you need a new exhaust or a catalytic converter. But for motorbikes, there's, they don't do any emissions checks. So basically this is a way for the government to, to basically to, to, to protect themselves, to make sure that bikes emissions aren't getting too high by, for example, people putting an aftermarket exhaust or taking out the, the cat, stuff like this. It's the only way they can regulate it because there are no emissions checks for motorbikes. So let me read a bit of this out to you. The Motorcycle Action Group is encouraging motorcyclists to respond to proposals from the Department for Transport that would restrict owners from modifying their bikes. So under the proposed changes, it would be a crime to tamper with a system, part or component of a vehicle intended or adapted to be used on a road. I was expecting the lack of motorcycle focus in policies for the charging infrastructure, but the anti-tampering proposals came as a real sucker punch, says Gordon Brown, MAG's Director of Campaigns and Policy Engagement. The reasons are twofold. As well as ensuring emissions stay the same through the vehicle's life, the Department for Transport, understandably, want to make sure people can't tamper with autonomous vehicles, etc., etc. Basically, I... I would put my money on this going through. I really would. I think within a year in the UK and maybe there's a very good chance other countries will follow if they haven't already done so now because I know for the EU they are hot on this stuff. My guess is that aftermarket aftermarket modifications for your motorbike, I think I think this is what will happen. I think you'll be fine, you know, to change parts on your bike such as mirrors body panels suspension things like that that's all fine but but i think that what they're going to ban is anything to do with the engine any type of engine modification on a motorbike i honestly hand on heart think this is going to be banned in the very near future i've got an aftermarket exhaust in my bonneville um Will they do it retrospectively? Will they say, nope, sorry, failed MOT, it's not an original part of the motorbike? They could do it. They could do it. This will change very quickly, I think. Within a year, that's it for motorcycle modification. If you want anything on your bike, you have to get it straight out of the factory when you actually go to buy it. Let me just check. I've gone through that. Oh, the closing date. Cool, I've missed it. 22nd of November. Great. Okay, I...
Well, that's a shame I've missed the deadline, so I can't get involved in that and voice my opinion. Hmm. I'm heartbroken. Right. Okay. Okay. I'll move on. I'll move on. That's that. But anyway, keep an eye on for that. Anyone modifying your bikes, keep an eye on it. Because, you know, if you do too many modifications onto your motorbike, you know, I've got a feeling this could be fairly imminent, actually, with these regulations coming through. Let's see what happens. Right. New bikes at Motorcycle Live. So this is the NEC Motorcycle Show in uh, in Birmingham, which is uh, the Midlands in the UK. And I'll just get this up on my on my Instagram now so I can find it. Right, because this is big news. This is this is booming everywhere at the moment, absolutely everywhere. Motorcycle Live, it's an annual motorcycle event where biking brands showcase the latest and greatest, the, the new models they've got coming up, yada, 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 everything, super exciting. This is huge news. BSA are back. The British motorcycle brand that I that disappeared years and years, decades ago. They are back. And they, they were a very, very big deal in biking. You had Triumph, you had Royal Enfield, you had BSA. You have others that I can't remember now. But BSA, that was the big one. And their biggest seller, BSA, the Gold Star. It's back. I couldn't believe it when I saw some pictures of people snapping away at it. This is a, a huge deal, huge deal. From what I know, BSA traditionally have positioned themselves, and tell me if I'm wrong here, but from what I can see, they've positioned themselves slightly higher, uh, higher quality than Royal Enfield, slightly more premium than Royal Enfield, and maybe very, very slightly below Triumph, somewhere around that area. So what they've got is a 650cc BSA Gold Star. It looks absolutely superb. It's incredibly similar. Think of an absolute mix between the Royal Enfield Interceptor and the Triumph Bonneville, and this is the exact mix between the two. Absolutely classic. Could be straight out of the 1960s wire wheels. Great looking tank with a huge chrome insert in the middle of the tank and they've kept the badging, the original BSA badging, exactly the same, single headlight as you'd expect. Ah, it's a beautiful thing. In fact, it's so beautiful that I, I keep saying this, I want one. I really want one. I went straight onto BSA's website to have a look at it and you know, on BSA's Instagram account it says, Hashtag BSA is back. Oh, I can't wait. I think they're going to start. I think design and manufacturing is being done in the UK, but the, the core bit of production, I think from what I've heard, is going to happen in India. And it is, let me just find this. I think it's Mahindra, if I'm right. The Indian company Mahindra are the ones who will be well, who, who now own the BSA brand. Yeah, here we go. Mahindra's Classic Legends, set up around five years ago, started off by resurrecting the Java brand and are now getting ready to launch Yezdi, which must be another bike brand I've never heard of, but ahead of Yezdi, they are launching and have launched the BSA brand in the UK. And this is coming from rushlane.com. I can't wait. Production will start in 2022. My guess for the BSA Gold Star is that it will sit, 
it will sit above the interceptor and price wise I think this 650 will come in at around about the £8,000 mark and I'm tempted at that price if they keep it at around 8000 I I think this will be an absolute winner the British biking scene is off the scale at the moment you know the triumph doing brilliant you've got Royal Enfield coming along and absolutely smashing it out of the park and now BSA I mean, Norton's also coming back as well. I forgot. Norton's coming back. The British biking scene is is just it's just uh, so good to see. I, it's indescribable how good it is to see. I'm over the moon with it. Over the moon. So that is a bike I will be keeping an incredibly, incredibly close eye on. Over well, it's it's fairly soon. Over the next two to three months, I'll be keeping a close eye on that. And moving on from classic British motorcycles my auntie sent me over a pic and I'll include this pic on my uh, where should I include it? I'll include it on my Instagram and actually I may put it on YouTube as well in fact I'll probably add something about this on YouTube she sent me over a pic of my granddad probably in around about 1949 suited and booted outside a, a dilapidated old shed on his new motorbike which, well, new to him, I think it was three years old at the time. It's an old Norton motorcycle. And it's, it's a beautiful thing. He's got an L plate on the front, just stuck onto the front uh, front headlamp. And I can see the number plate. The number plate is CPR743. And it's just such an amazing, amazing old school photo. And what comes with it? is a letter of sale when my, my granddad Michael sold the bike and it's dated 17th of November 1951. I have on this day paid to Lieutenant Colonel K.H.F. Clark the sum of £42.10 shillings for the purchase of one Norton motorcycle registration CPR 743. I love stuff like that. I, I'm actually going to see if I can... Is it possible? Can I find this Norton motorbike? I would absolutely love it if I could find it. That would be amazing. I'm going to do. I'm, I'm going to try. I basically I typed in. I typed in the registration to find my vehicle. I think DVLA for the UK. Typed it in, and it said it's a Massey Ferguson tractor that had been registered first in 1948. How does that work? Please let me know, dob.bs.outlook.com. I typed in the registration of this motorcycle that was probably actually registered in about 1948. I typed it in to see if it was still on the road. And instead of it coming up saying a Norton motorcycle, it said Massey Ferguson tractor. How does that work? Please do let me know because I'd love to find this. Right, okay. I actually want to see now. There are two bikes I want to talk to you about today for Bike of the Week, but before I do, let me just see, talking about old British bikes, what do we have here? What do we have from BSA? So, BSA, typed it into Auto Trader. What are we looking at? A bike that I'd like. Thunderbolt BSA. There are, right now, if I just have a look, Oh, this one gold star. Okay, let me just give you an idea. In the UK, BSA, so 16 BSAs on Auto Trader right now, the range of prices of BSA in the UK, this is for any people not in the UK if you're interested in this, they range from £2,495 
uh, and I'm looking two and a half, okay, two and a half, three thousand eight hundred, five thousand, five and a half, six, six point six, seven, seven. 8.4, sound like I'm, I'm an auctioneer here, 8.5, the most expensive 26, but the second most expensive is 12. So the range of bikes in prices is 2.5K realistically to 12K, but, but, but. Here's the interesting thing. Only one of those Norton, uh, Nortons, only one of those BSAs is a BSA Gold Star and the price of the BSA Gold Star from 1962 is £26,000. And the price of the second most expensive bike, which funnily enough has a bigger engine than the 650 Gold Star, is the BSA Rocket 3. And the BSA Rocket 3 is £12,000. So the BSA Gold Star is £14,000 more than the second most expensive BSA on bike trader right now in the UK. I assume that must just be down to gigantic desirability, but what's also interesting is that BSAs actually, second hands, classics, they're not expensive at all. For example, I like the look of this, you've got the Bantams, you've got the BSA, C15. I like the look of this, Thunderbolt, 1971, classic so you won't need to tax remote here it looks absolutely out of this world stunning 28,000 miles on the clock and it's 5,000 pounds 5,000 pounds I thought these would all be about 15k or something great you realize how sympathetic actually the new ones being they look so similar I can't believe it you you get take your pick 5k bsa if you're looking for one they look absolutely beautiful reliability don't know be genuinely curious let me know if you own a bsa what do they like to live with right i need to move on because i am oh i'm just in time okay right i've got let's have a look one do 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 yes here we go i've got my bike for the week I wanted to keep the budget actually for this bike of the week at 4k and i'm going for a triumph because you know just seeing these bsa's i just you know i just love the classic styling and this is a bike that has always always gone under the radar and it is from triumph and i'm going to i'm just going to tell you where they start from price wise it's a cruiser from triumph it has the exact same engine as my bonneville 865 they look great they, they were never ever ever a big sales success ever they never did that well and they start from under £4,000. In fact, you can actually pick one up for £3,300. The Triumph America. £4,000 under, under four grand. I can find a 2006 Triumph America for £3,999. Great cruiser look, really kind of elongated front forks, pointing outwards, single headlamp, 865cc in fact even this one this is older this is 790 engine let me just find one more with the 865 with my engine because I, I think that extra grunt would be quite good i'll find one that i do you know what there are a lot of them but i want to find one not just the cheapest like i usually do i want one with a rear rack a rear backrest in black with the 865cc engine and i want it from 2008 onwards so i don't need to pay congestion charge or worry about any of that stuff and I found it. 
£391, specced exactly as I would have it. 2009 Triumph America, superb looking bike, rear rack, rear, rear rack, rear, rear backrest. So it's got a backrest, it's got a rear rack, it's got the pannier rails, it's all in black. It's got the 865cc engine, 15,000 miles, absolutely nothing. And it's actually from our London location. London, you can pick it up from London right now. I can imagine doing all day touring and cruising on this bike and it would be a joy. It's funny this because, you know, if if you put this bike side by side with my Bonneville, oh, it's got a glorious single clock right in the middle, chrome, uh, chrome surround, it's so old school. And then even on the tank, it's got another little dial. I've got no idea what it does, but it looks brilliant. If you were to put this bike side by side with my Bonneville, when I went to buy my Bonneville, I honestly, hand on heart, I don't know which one I'd have picked. And I'll leave it there. Pensive. I'll leave it there. Thank you so much for listening to this week's podcast. Everyone, have an incredible week. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you in the next one. Acast anbefaler. Mit navn er Anders Morgenthaler. Over for mig sidder Roald Bergmann. Vi har lavet en ny podcast, der hedder Dopaminklubben. Og Dopaminklubben er en klub, hvor ADHD er fucking sjovt, og hvor det griner. Det behøver ikke at være super alvorligt. Vi skider skide trætte af alle de der podcasts og forklarer meget nederen der. Vi gør grin med vores ADHD. Mulig ADHD. Ja, vi udreder mig, fordi nogen siger, at jeg har det. Jeg ved det ikke rigtigt, det finder vi ud af. Vi har i hvert fald lavet vedmål. Ind og lyt til Dopaminklubben. Hver uge udkommer vi. Der laver vi sjov og spas med at have den her vidunderlige dopaminmangel. <tryk>